You are listening to Togeek to Me News number 63, recorded for March 14th, 2012. You are listening to the Tech Only Hacker Public Radio Edition. To get the full podcast, including political commentary and other controversial topics, please visit www.talkgeektome.us. Here are the vile statistics for this program. Your feedback matters to me. Please send your comments to dg at deepgeek.us. The webpage for this program is at www.talkgeektome.us. You can subscribe to me on Identica as the username DeepGeek, or you could follow me on Twitter. My username there is DGTGTM, as in Deep Geek, Talk Geek to Me. And now the tech roundup. From TorrentFreak.com by Ernesto, dated March the 5th, 2012. It's official. U.S. demands extradition of mega-upload suspects. Last Friday, U.S. prosecutors filed an extradition request against four New Zealand-based suspects who were allegedly part of the so-called mega-conspiracy. Kim.com is wanted in the United States alongside other key mega-upload employees on racketeering, copyright infringement, and money laundering charges. In the battle to extradite the defendants, U.S. authorities intend to rely on a United Nations treaty aimed at combating international organized crime. Previously, a lawyer working on behalf of the United States government admitted that no copyright offenses are specifically listed in the extradition treaty. However, he also noted that certain offenses, which involve transnational crime, are covered by New Zealand's Extradition Act. In New Zealand, crimes must carry a four-year prison sentence to be deemed extraditable. Under the country's Copyright Act, distributing and infringing work carries a five-year maximum sentence. Experts and observers are predicting that due to its groundbreaking status, the extradition battle for the mega-upload defendants will be both complex and prolonged and could even go all the way to the Supreme Court. For now, the first extradition hearing has been scheduled for August the 20th. Mega-upload programmer Bram van der Kolk recently called on the New Zealand authorities to remain dignified in their extradition dealings with the United States. Quote, I really hope New Zealand will keep its dignity and can show that it is a sovereign state that has its own justice system, unquote, he said, referring to the extradition process. Talking to Torrent Freak last week, mega-upload founder Kim.com said that he and his co-defendants are positive that the law is on their side. Quote, we're going for this, and we're confident we're going to win, unquote, Kim said. From EFF.org, dated March 8, 2012, by Katitza Rodriguez, A time bomb for civil liberties. France adopts a new biometric ID card. This post has been authored by Angela Daly, International Legal Fellow. On Tuesday, March 6, the French National Assembly passed a law proposing the creation of a new biometric ID card for French citizens with the justification of combating identity fraud. More than 45 million individuals in France will have their fingerprints and digitized faces stored in what would be the largest biometric database in the country. The bill was immediately met with negative reactions. Yesterday, more than 200 members of the French Parliament referred it to the Council Constitutionnel, challenging its compatibility with Europeans' fundamental rights framework, including the right to privacy and the presumption of innocence. The Council will consider whether the law is contrary to the French Constitution. 
The new law compels the creation of a biometric ID card that includes a compulsory chip containing various pieces of personal information, including fingerprints, a photograph, home address, height, and eye color. Newly issued passports will also contain the biometric chip. The information on the biometric chip will be stored in a central database. A second optional chip will be implemented for online authentication and electronic signatures, which will be used for e-government services and e-commerce. Francois Pillay, a French senator, called the initiative a time bomb for civil liberties, warning that those interested in protecting civil liberties must stop the creation of a database that could be transformed into a dangerous draconian tool. EFF couldn't agree more. Last year, Privacy International, EFF, and 80 other civil liberties organizations asked the Council of Europe to study whether biometrics policies respect the fundamental rights of every European. Governments are increasingly demanding storage of their citizens' biometric data on chips embedded into identity cards or passports and centrally kept on government databases, all with little regard to citizens' civil liberties. France's National Commission on IT and Freedoms, the CNIL, also published a report criticizing the creation of the centralized biometric database. France does not have a good track record of initiatives involving biometric identification. In 2009, it introduced biometric passports, which proved to be a disaster. Last year, the French Minister of the Interior admitted that 10% of biometric passports in circulation were fraudulently obtained. It is therefore ironic that the justification for the biometrics bill was that it is needed to combat identity fraud. To read the rest of this article, follow links in the show notes. From TorrentFreak.com by Ernesto, dated March 9, 2012. Leaked. Police plan to raid the Pirate Bay. In the spring of 2006, a team of 65 Swedish police personnel entered a data center in Stockholm. The officers were tasked with shutting down the largest threat to the entertainment industry at the time, the Pirate Bay's servers. The raid eventually led to the conviction of four people connected to the Pirate Bay, but the site itself remained online. Today... The Pirate Bay team has informed Torrent Freak that a second raid is being prepared by the Swedish authorities. The site's operators, who are well-connected in multiple ways, learned that a team of Swedish investigators is gearing up to move against the site in the future. The suspicions were also made public by the Pirate Bay a few minutes ago. Quote, the Swedish district attorney, Frederick Ingblad initiated a new investigation into the Pirate Bay back in 2010. Information has been leaked to us every now and then by multiple sources, almost on a regular basis. It's an interesting read, unquote, the Pirate Bay crew notes. We can certainly understand why WikiLeaks wished to be hosted in Sweden, since so much data leaks there. The reason that we get the leaks is usually that the whistleblowers do not agree with what's going on, something that the government should have in mind. Even your own people do not agree. The Pirate Bay team confirmed to Torrent Freak that the announcement is no prank. The authorities have obtained warrants to snoop around insensitive places, and two known anti-piracy prosecutors, Frederick Ingblad and Henrik Rasmussen, are said to be involved. Employing a little psychological warfare aimed at putting the investigators off-balance, the Pirate Bay team has chosen to make the news public to make the authorities aware that they are not the only ones being watched. According to the Pirate Bay team, they aren't doing anything illegal. 
but nonetheless they noticed that the investigation intensified after the site's recent move to a .se domain. Since our recent move to a .se domain, the investigation has been cranked up a notch. We think that the investigation is interesting, considering nothing that TPB does is illegal, they say. Rather, we find it interesting that a country like Sweden is being so abused by lobbyists and that this can be kept up. They are using scare tactics, putting pressure on the wrong people, like providers and users, all out of fear from the big country in the West and with an admiration for their big fancy wallets. Behind the scenes, the Pirate Bay team is working hard to ensure that the site will remain online in the event that service, domain names, and internet routes are cut off. In this regard, the Pirate Bay has learned a valuable lesson from its former operators. Those who are aware of the site's history know that without a few essential keystrokes, in May 2006, the Pirate Bay may not have been here today. The Pirate Bay founder, Tiamo, heard that something was amiss and he decided to make a full backup of the site before heading off to the data center where he was greeted by dozens of police officers. T. Amo's decision to start a backup of the site is probably the most pivotal moment in the site's history. Because of this backup, the Pirate Bay team were able to resurrect the site within three days. If there hadn't been a recent backup, things may have turned out quite differently. It was a close call at the time and a defining moment in the history of the site. The determination to get the site back online as soon as possible set the defiant tone for the years that followed. Today, the site prides itself on being the most resilient torrent site around. In recent years, the Pirate Bay has implemented a variety of changes to guarantee that the site remains online. It adds several backup domains, placed servers all over the world, and removed resource-intensive processes. Earlier this week, the Pirate Bay took another important step by removing .torrent files altogether to become a magnet link site. As a result, the entire site can now be reduced to a few hundred megabytes, small enough to fit on the tiniest thumb drive. For the police, this makes a successful Pirate Bay raid almost impossible. While they can take steps to put the site out of business briefly, it's inevitable that it will reappear in a matter of hours or days, or, to use the words of the Pirate Bay team, we're staying put where we are. We're going nowhere, but we have a message to Hollywood, the investigators, and the prosecutors. LOL. From TorrentFreak.com by Ernesto dated March 8, 2012, Torrentless Pirate Bay sees massive drop in bandwidth. Part of the Pirate Bay's decision to go torrentless was to make the site more resilient to outside attacks, but it also has quite an impact on bandwidth bills. The Pirate Bay team told TorrentFreak today that after the switch, the site now consumes 30% less bandwidth, while the number of visitors remains stable. Despite some annoyances, most users appear to be fine with the new magnet-only site. Last week, the Pirate Bay deleted all popular .torrent files from its site, replacing them with so-called magnet links. This means that instead of downloading a .torrent file directly from the central server, they will be downloaded from other BitTorrent users instead. One of the consequences of this move is that the Pirate Bay has seen a massive drop in bandwidth consumption. The size of the impact became clear today when the site's operators informed Torrent Freak that bandwidth usage has dropped by nearly a third. To read the rest of this article, follow the links in the show notes. From VenezuelaAnalysis.com by 
Tamara Pearson, Venezuelan Scientific Achievements Aimed at Social Progress. Mirida, March 7, 2012. Yesterday, a range of Venezuela's scientists, innovators, and researchers met in the Institute of Advanced Studies, IDEA, in Caracas to share their most recent projects, including new telescopes, stem cell research, and nutritional innovation with the public. Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez also allocated funding to allow for a pay increase for researchers. A range of Venezuela's research institutes and government ministers were also present at the exhibition, including the Ministers for Housing and Labor, who hope to link scientific developments with social programs under their competency. The Center of Astronomical Research, CIDA, based in Mirida State, presented its prototype for a telescope that could be manufactured in Venezuela and used in the country's universities. Elias Sanchez, who is involved in the technical coordination of the telescope project, told VenezuelaAnalysis.com that the telescope is the first prototype developed in Venezuela and was also developed by Venezuela's first optical instruments factory, which is part of the state-owned CIDA. Quote, the idea is that all the schools in the country have a telescope and can experience the power that astronomy has to awaken scientific curiosity, unquote, Sanchez said. The optical factory hopes to develop the first educational microscope as well. This revolution needs many men and women to be makers of useful science, he concluded. The Minister for Food, Carlos Osorio, explained that although the State Investigation Center for Experimental Agro-Industrial Production, CIEPE, the government has been able to develop projects for food production. Interweaving primary materials with food products, the CIEPE also conducts detailed food studies looking at a food's nutritional benefit, studying native fruits, vegetables, nuts, and fish, as well as ways to best grow food in the country in order to decrease Venezuela's dependency on food imports. Among many projects, it has conducted a study on how national primary materials such as sugarcane, rice, corn, and roots can be used to produce biofuels. The CIEPE also conducts workshops with rural workers. In December, it gave a five-day class to farmers in Barinas State, teaching them how to prepare balanced diets for the kashama fish, as well as how to process it and use the leftovers to make fish flour. At the exhibition, the Venezuelan Institute of Scientific Research, IVIC, presented its project for investigating the use of stem cells for tissue renewal, as well as medicinal studies-based projects. It is also elaborating drug detection kits and has many more projects in anthropology, biochemistry, ecology, agroforestry, physics, engineering, experimental medicine, and ocean science, among others. Vice President of Economic Productivity, Ricardo Menendez, said that, quote, only in revolution can technological advances be at the service of the people. Finally, we're starting to have our own science and technology system in Venezuela, President Chavez said, speaking by phone to the scientists, researchers, and innovators gathered in the IDEA. He said he was glad to see the many scientific and technological advances for humane reasons, not for destruction or for capital accumulation. 
Also yesterday, President Hugo Chavez approved extra spending of 109 million Brazilos, the equivalent of United States dollars, 25 million, towards the upgrading of the salaries of workers in organizations that fall under the Ministry of Science and Technology, including the IVIC and Venezuela's Seismic Activity Research Foundation. The pay adjustment means that the 1,154 researchers will be paid according to eight pay levels, depending on their training. A researcher at level one, who has graduated from high school but has obtained extra knowledge, will receive Brazilian 2,957, the equivalent of $687 per month in U.S. dollars, while a level eight research with a doctorate and more than 16 years experience will receive a monthly wage of Brazilian 12,903 or the equivalent of 3,000 United States dollars per month. The Venezuelan government launched its science mission in 2006 with the aim of democratizing the sciences and establishing an independent and nationally fostered model of development. News from IcelandReview.com, TechDirt.com, and VenezuelaAnalysis.com used under arranged permission. News from IndieBay.org used under permission granted at the website. News from EFF.org and TorrentFreak.com used under permission of the Creative Commons by attribution license. News from DemocracyNow.org used under permission of the Creative Commons by attribution non-commercial no derivatives license. News sources retain their respective rights. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Geek to Me. Here are the vital statistics for this program. Your feedback matters to me. Please send your comments to DG at deepgeek.us. The webpage for this program is at www.talkgeektome.us. You can subscribe to me on Identica as the username DeepGeek, or you could follow me on Twitter. My username there is DGTGTM, as in Deep Geek Talk Geek to Me. This episode of Talk Geek to Me is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Like 3.0 Unpoured License. This license allows commercial reuse of the work, as well as allowing you to modify the work, so long as you share alike the same rights you have received under this license. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Geek to Me. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binref.com. All binref projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.